Ross Payton with Roleplaying Public Radio. This is RPPR episode 89, Scenario No. And with me, as always, is Mr. Tom Church. I'm here in body, if not spirit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, that's, that's a pretty enthusiastic uh, greeting there, Tom. Well, my body rocks, though. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I will, I will not doubt your claim there. Um, so in this episode, we're going to be talking about the uh, two... Forgotten uh, scenarios. Well forgotten. <laughs> okay, that's one opinion. Too well forgotten. Uh, too wonderfully unfor- you no, no longer forgotten. Yeah, in the tabletop role-playing game, you know, we, they, they crank out lots of modules and adventures and products. And a lot of these are just, they're printed, they're, they're bought, and then they're eventually forgotten. So I got one uh, from the used game section of my friendly local game store a while ago. It was called Zombie Town USA. And obviously, because it's me, I was interested in it. And yeah, you probably couldn't even... There really is no spine to see what it is, so it's probably just your finger and just your zombie sense tingled for yeah, a moment. pretty much. And I was like, yep, yeah, bought, because it was like a dollar. And I read through it, and I was like, whoa, this is... It's an interesting piece of game history, if nothing else, for the mm-hmm. sheer what-the-fuckness. And then... uh you also bought the other one that I had. You got it for me as a gift. It was a dollar, so yeah. thinking of me. Yeah. And it was a Cyberpunk 2020 scenario that you basically said, here, Tom, you'll be running this sometime. Like, yeah. Okay. And I read it. I'm like, I'm not running this. <laughs> no, I am not. The thing is, Tom, you could have run any type of adventure, and I would have believed you because like, I, I hadn't read it. And of course, now I have read it, so mm-hmm. I'm going to get my dollars worth out of that one. Uh, it's called All Fall Down, uh, by the way. It's published by Atlas Games uh, in 1992, I think, uh, instead of R.S. T- uh, Artosorian. Yeah, uh, uh, who actually posted. It was a licensed scenario, which is interesting. Uh, Zombie Town USA is a GURPS adventure. Well, and that was like published 88. First edition GURPS. Yeah, third edition, I think. Uh, but second, yeah, 88, 89. So, you know, one thing I've mentioned on the show, one one. Document I really loved uh, is uh, Scratch, which is about DJ. And they, talk, they interview this DJ who I really like called DJ Shadow. And he talks about how he uh, digs through crates of old records to uh, find obscure music that he can weave into his own turntable music. And he has this quote that's along the lines of, you see all these piles of records. Uh, you see all these people. You, you can think of who these people were, who their careers. They put hundreds of hours in, thousands of hours. I mean, the, even those scenarios, as humble as they are, they they had. Someone wrote them out. Yeah, they wrote in loving detail. Them. I mean, they have they were play tested, had art uh, done. They for were them. marketed. Yeah, they were published. They were printed. People put money behind it. They they put all this time and effort, in, and now they're forgotten. And so we thought I'd brush off the dust, bring them back, and look at them in the light of day. And and there some things don't are best. Some things are best left buried. <laughs> I like. I mean, we like bad good movies too, and I think this is kind of the gaming. Yeah, I that. mean, so I still think those movies should have been buried. But I'm still proud that we dug them up yeah. and saw them. It's the same thing I do with the, the movies we watch. Yeah, yeah, I think they're horrible. Yeah. But at the same time, after I'm done, like I'm glad we dug that up and saw it. I mean, they're not a hundred million dollar productions, corporate soulless uh, things meant to they. They're they're made no, they're, by people. Yeah, by they're like the movie. Well, like I said, like the movies we do, where you think yeah. I can't believe this got made. Yeah, especially when I know like a budget of like a hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So 
I so we're gonna look at All Fall Down and Zombie Town USA. We both read both scenarios, so we can go back and forth on that. Uh, so that's what this episode is gonna be about. Not about game. Well, I mean, we'll kind of touch on game design and you know the history because it's us. Yeah, and uh, so this is just uh, just sit back and enjoy. Uh, first off, that we do have a little bit of news. Um, base Raiders <laughs> layout is progressing. I'm slowly cranking away at it. Uh, it's I'm doing the layout for the rules. Which is the most complex section of the the book in terms of layout because charts, tables, yeah. and other things. Seriously, he's working hard. He's really Ross has gone all Howard Hughes. He's yeah. just in here with a strategically placed Kleenex <laughs> and jars of urine and yeah. jars of urine just working on this thing. Five na- inches long each. Yeah, yeah. Uh, get in the spruce goose, Tom. I said, get in. Anyway, uh, um, I, it terrified me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, pretty soon, though, uh, I'm almost done with the the first part of the rules, which is character creation. Uh, this is I, I based the game off of Strange Fate, which is from the Kerberos Club. And I know people have asked why Fate Core is coming out. Why don't you use that? Well, one, when I was writing the game, Fate Core was still in playtesting. They hadn't finalized it yet. Um, and by the time it was sort of finalized, I pretty – far along yeah. and Ross isn't going to start this thing over well I mean it wouldn't it would take more work it would delay it and the other thing the main reason though uh, but if I thought the rules were I mean the rules I think are very good and I think they, they did improve them I, I we'll, we'll talk more about fate corn a little bit I got it uh, the book from uh, the Kickstarter day um, but the the central reason why is this is a superhero game and really this strange fate the Kerberos Club treatment of superhero power creation is the best that I've seen in any fate edition. Like, because they have very detailed rules with the skill trappings and the, the, you can create very customized, very concrete powers, which I think are good for a superhero game that like in fate core, they give you guidelines for creating superpowers, but they don't give you actual like lists of powers or ways to build specific Mm -hmm. powers. So, and I just don't feel like writing an entire new engine for creating very specific superpowers for fate core. Uh, that would take a lot longer. And I really like the way they do it in Kerberos club. I like the way they do it in uh, strange fate. So that's my explanation for that. But anyways, uh, people who back the Kickstarter at a higher level, the, the will be getting the PDF of the rules very soon. Um, I just have one more section, right? Then I'll write that. It'll be about 60 pages of rules. So you can look over, uh, and then I'll release pretty shortly after that. I'll have the, the combat and the conflict rules, uh, release. I'll do these in sections so you can get a look of, uh, so the PDFs are coming soon. Um, and then we'll have the setting material after that. I've got all the artwork in, uh, so that's good. And, uh, so we're just, I'm just slowly grinding through it. Uh, it's just a lot of fucking work to do. Jars of urine. Yeah. Jars of urine. Um, then, uh, and really that's why, uh, to bring up the other thing, Raylory, for those of you who really like the run through of dead space three with me and Caleb, that's why I haven't been doing anything Raylory lately, because even though I have recorded material for it, I, uh, do not have, uh, time to fucking edit it. Uh, I do have some material that I want. I will post, which is me fucking around on a chivalry server with low <laughs> gravity, which is just retarded and dumb. But that'll just be a couple of minutes, um, and even that'll take some time. So I just feel like until I get the book layout finished, I really, uh, I really yeah. need to spend my time doing that. So, uh, but I will uh, as a bonus for everybody. Uh, we one of the games we've been. I'm going to mention the shout out today is something I got off Kickstarter called Channel A. 
from as many games. We uh, have, and we've pl- we've actually played this. One. We've played this several times, and I have an hour long actual play of that. I'll post it here. I'll post a link up on the actual play uh, RPPR as well. But if you're uh, want to listen to RJ and some of us playing Channel A, uh, it's a from the same people who did. Uh, we didn't play Tessus at all. It's a kind of an anime themed apples to apples type game, and it's it's pretty fucking funny. Uh, so that's uh, a little bit of news. Yep, I've also got a little bit. I, I'll actually be starting a uh, some videos for RPPR. And, uh, I'd say my first one will be hopefully soon, but I went to the theater and saw something that actually realized like, I need to make a video on this. A yeah. letter, a letter. So basically it's going to be like video versions of letters from Tom. Great. We'll uh, get that up there. So Yeah, we sure will, because that's what the internet needs, more content. Yes, it does. We'll feed the beast. <laughs> so uh, so that covers all the news. So we are back at the main episode. So the scenario, no, uh, the, the old scenario. So why don't we talk about Zombie Town USA? Yes, why don't we just do that, Ross? It's an old GURPS adventure, and this was, came out, apparently, I guess, uh, I was not really into GURPS back in the day, uh, but this was during the height, I assume, of the auto-duel phenomenon. Because, yes, 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 it is. Because it's dual-statted for GURPS horror as a standard, like, modern-day adventure for GURPS, uh, and as an auto-duel adventure. So, Which, yeah, for those who, like, just in case you don't know what Auto Duel is, it's essentially Mad Max, only a little less nuky. Yeah. So it's like, you know, future. Well, even more high tech, though. Much more high tech. It's like there's a collapse of society, but it didn't put us, throw us back to the Stone Age or anything. Right. So, like, you know, uh, like all sm- like small, t- like small towns are now fortresses. Oh, and everyone fights with advanced guns driving advanced vehicles. Yeah. That's. Because, you know, when I think horror, I think souped-up futuristic vehicles and advanced weaponry. Yeah. That's what I think. <laughs> uh, so um, both adventures, both of uh, this and uh, All Fall Down, have, have a very <coughs> similar structure in that the, the first part of it describes the area the adventure takes place in. In this case, in Zombie Town, it's a small town in California so, called Black Mountain. I, I, I think I, need to, I just need to Lake. comment. The amount of detail this one goes into on the town is way more than the detail they go into Las Vegas in. Well, to be fair, that is like twice the length. Like so. Yeah, but still. Yeah. I yeah, it was just it interesting to me that this small town got more description than right, right. Twenty twenty Las Vegas. Well, I mean, I don't think obviously different publishing companies felt gamers needed. Different. I like the level of detail in that. Like, no, I didn't. No, that's one of the things I did. That's enjoy. useful because that's. <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about these adventures, this is something like I would actually consider using this town for some other adventure mm-hmm. simply because everything's mapped out, everything's described, and you don't have to make shit okay. up on the seat of your uh, It's why I really enjoy the the uh, Freedom City expansion of Mutants and Masterminds. Yeah. A whole city in exhaustive detail. That, yeah. Like, enough, like, sh- you know, the convenience store chains. Just- yeah, I mean, because that's the stuff that, like, players always blindside you. Like, what's his name, Ross? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, like, yeah, so then the case of that one, you're like, all right, you're fighting a villain in a gas station. What's it called? Oh, well, it's this. Yeah, and here's that, and here's the where, yeah, every, because that's a big problem I seem to have in games is, like, describing things spatially, like, describing areas, because people, players always like, I want to maneuver myself so I have the perfect advantage against him, and I want to do this, or they misunderstand what I'm trying to describe. And this 
clears goes a lot into of that it. Up. Yeah, this yeah. goes into it. Yeah, yeah, this goes into that level detail. You don't even have to make. You don't even have to draw little crude maps. They're right there for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty good maps too. I mean, for yeah. 1980s, kind of a basic, bare bones kind <laughs> of uh, black and white thing. Which again, it's all you need. Yeah. So, but then you 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 look start reading the content of this small town, and even before we get to the actual adventure. Where the players are actually doing shit. Yeah, actually doing shit. Are actually brought to this town or come to this town to do things. Uh, you find out that they're. It's a really fucked up town. Let's just mm-hmm. be straight up. It's fucked up. Yeah, fucked up's putting it nicely. <laughs> yeah, it's so. I think it's it's easy to miss at first. Yeah, I mean, my first my my first when I was just glancing through it. Like, yeah. Okay. This. You know, this. It took me. It took me the same time to read. Like, wait a fucking minute here. I'm like, that is fucked up. No, no, that is fucked up. Uh, I yeah. said fuck a lot. You did, and that's that's perfectly appropriate. It's a perfectly um, normal response for this kind of town because on the first page they <laughs> describe the two hotels in the room. There's a hotel and a boarding house, uh, and the people who run it are yeah. described in a sidebar uh, on the yeah. The like, uh, I mean, the hotel is owned by the mayor of the town. Yeah. Which and he's fine. He's actually his description. Like I like, dude. I'd like to have a small. I'd like to meet a small town mayor like that. Yeah. But then they go into just is like a sidebar character. Not you have to actually have to look for it. Yeah. But the manager of the hotel is basically Norman Bates. Yeah. Oh, yeah. by the way, we're going to be spoiling all these scenarios. Yeah. Just, I know people were like, I mean, oh. not not by the name of Norman Bates, but his last name is Norman. Yeah. And he has split personality, duty to mother, skill yeah. with a knife. Taxidermy skill, I think. Taxidermy skill. Yeah. Yeah. It's Norman Bates. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's not even the most No, and that's not that's a little tiny sidebar character with no description. Yeah. The woman who runs the boarding house is another <laughs> thing altogether. I, I described the hotel. Ross, I think you should describe the boarding house. <laughs> yeah. If you would. Because the boarding house is what drama. I, I didn't even notice the hotel owner because, like, he's literally on the left page and on the right page is the boarding house. As soon as I read the boarding house, I, like, ignored the rest of that. Yeah, it's that, easy that, to do. Because Mrs. Agatha Brown runs a boarding house and she's just this nice old woman. Uh, but she has a BDSM dungeon hidden in her basement. And it turns out she's psychic and a sadist and a manipulator. So she lures impressionable teenage runaways into her boarding house, captures them, tortures them, and then gets sells them to biker gangs or disposes of them, kills them, I guess. Nice. So she's just incredibly fucked up. And a megalomaniac, and you just like just an NPC there has nothing to do with the adventure. It's just like crazy fucking yeah. psychic woman. But you know what makes her freakier is auto duel. <laughs> I'll be doing that a lot, by the way. Yeah, because I fully believe that there is no reason whatsoever to have auto duel in this. Well, I mean, I, th- I mean, I, uh, no. obviously it was a marketing thing. Like, yes, I know. Duel is very popular. Yes, I know. Time. Yeah, yeah. But just because something's popular doesn't need mean it needs to be in everything. Well, I mean, th- they're trying to split, but like trying to say, oh, this could be used for normal <coughs> or for auto. Really, you really can't do it. Uh, I don't I like because they even kind of admit it in the adventure. Uh, because when they get to the big reveal, the big twist of the the adventure itself, which we won't get to yet, like they admit, yeah, that's not really a big deal in Auto Duel because they have that level of technology, blah 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 blah. But like, it's still fucked up. Like, so, ooh, yeah. So anyway, so there's a boarding house, and then they go on, they just start describing the other the other sections, and it's 
And I will say, it is they go into loving detail yeah. on this town. It's like 12, 14 pages for this one town. Most, it's like the biggest part of the book, of the, of the module, is the description of the town. I think it's about 50-50, actually, if you look but, at well, it. But the thing is, well, the, everything else is everything else. But yeah. half the book is the description of the small town. And I mean, even I was, at first I was kind of going, oh my, I, when I flipped ahead, like, how long is this going? Oh my god! But then I read it because you know, like, I could skip. No, I will read all of this. I will review it. And then like, oh hey, this uh, that's good to know. I yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, it's kind of interesting. I admit, yeah, like, no, there there is because like one thing they talking about the auto duel, the they provide. All right, here's this character's stats and normal things, and then they describe it for auto duel, and it's like, oh, give her a gun and weapon skills, and she has this kind of car, and she's an auto duelist, and blah blah blah. Okay, I have to go into one of my favorite things in the town that I also think is <laughs> stupid. Is there's the, the way that the way it's described in the opening? It's a town of for sportsmen, mm-hmm. people with something to hide, and retirees. Yeah, there is a huge retirement community in this town. Yeah, and which is cool. And then they go through like once again loving detail of this yeah. retirement village and it's like rural California. Yeah, kind rural of. California. Very, very beautiful. Very pastoral. Yeah, they there's even mentioned they even mentioned like. This is like when the intro, when the players show up, it says, like, the description they wanted you to give the players is describing all of this, and it then adds in line, it's the kind of place the players would like to retire to. Yeah, there's a lot of that in both adventures. Like, the players should do this. The players, like, yeah. very, like, yeah, very, they very don't controlling. Know, they don't know players. Very, very assumption. Well. Very but, assuming. Yeah, this, but, you know, they go into detail, like, all, like, the really colorful characters that are in this retirement home. Yeah. Then in the auto duel part. <laughs> The retirement village is in charge of the heavy artillery of the town militia. Like, the retirees man the tank cannon. <laughs> yeah, they, that's what I love. The single thing I love about the auto duo thing is that they, they're they very fucking ingenious because they take a tank and they just dismantle it. They pe- mount the cannon on the roof of a building. And then they have artillery spotters stationed yeah. throughout the town. So if bandits attack, they can just shell them. And that's who mans the cannon is the retirees. <laughs> I like that, though. I mean, like, well, I like that. They, yeah, but, like, the, yeah, in a sense, that makes sense because the retirees are the most expendable. Like, they're the people sure. that you can afford to get killed. Like, But uh, once again, going... It's really hard to have terror and real horror when there's a tank cannon on top of a building and the old people man it and fire it. And they're pretty good at it. And they're pretty good at it. Actually, one of the things I like, um, you mentioned, again, talking about the NPCs in in this (laughs) fucking town. One, the sheriff has a very sordid past. Oh, my God. Well, first of all, it's it's a woman sheriff, which, hey, that's nice. It's cool. That's awesome. She's tough. But there's tough, and then there's we're really reaching here, and and even not even the auto duel <laughs> part of it. They make her; she's a mercenary. She's a former mercenary. Yeah, that somehow moved to this town and became sheriff. Honestly, if I was in a small town and like I I just came back from. This, you know, Bush Wars from Africa. Cambodia. Yeah, Cambodia. I, I kill me 50 men. Like, yeah, you're fucking hired. You're the sheriff. I'll vote for you. So, but, I mean, actually, that's not even my favorite NPC, though. My favorite NPC, though, is one of the deputies. Oh, yeah. Uh, who runs the Zen Center, which is a. <laughs> one of the places age, of worship. One of the places of worship. And she's wanted by the FBI. <laughs> she's an eco terrorist who helps. 
uh, other terrorists around, and she's just in she lo- she loves animals though. Yeah, she loves animals. So she's one of those kind of people who burns down research labs or frees the animals or shit like that. So they're hunting her, and that's she, how the rage virus gets released. But she's a deputy in this town. They haven't done a background check on her. Or yeah. Anything. So I love that. And, and she's actually put yeah. forward as a potential romantic interest yeah the they PCs. have like two of those there's like that and another deputy another deputy because they say like it says well it helps gets it helps gets the players involved yeah like there's a, the other one that they describe is this korean american uh deputy <laughs> who is described as a marksman and like a miss america contestant but she's a fucking deputy <laughs> like she's this incredible but most of the the good part of the police force is women in this town yeah which i i, I think it's an it's inter- different yeah, from the, yeah yeah, yeah from like make playing against time yeah. making especially the like, you know, 1980s california small, small town, town sheriffs yeah. what do you think of you think brian dennehy from first blood or something oh yeah that's a good point yeah no this is like it's mostly women yeah mostly badass xenophobic yeah. <laughs> yeah, women. Xenophobic, that's right. Because the sheriff actually hates men. She doesn't believe men are... That's why she they describe men, she, Yeah, she thinks men are useless. Yeah, so that's why all the, the, the people are women in there, or why all the sheriff's uh, cops are, are women's, because she's just, you know, hates men. She's just bigoted against men, which I like. It's, it's an interesting yeah. uh, twist on things. But, um, so that's the town. Mm-hmm. And then they have like two or three pages just describing how it defends itself in, in auto duel. <laughs> like there's a, they have this elaborate system where they have like warnings and signs. Yeah, they and, go through the entire defense yeah. setup and make and the history. Like oh, they got attacked by bandits, but they got lucky. The and, harlots, yeah. the big motorcycle gang. It's like very very <laughs> complex, and they have, of course scatter all the shit out and. So that's just the first half of the module, like the first 16, pa- 16 pages or Which so. Which to me is the good read. Yeah. That is what I most enjoyed. Really? But, I, I like the adventure too because it's just like well, so it's, fucked it, up. It's so fucked up, railroady. Yeah. Very, very railroady. But, uh, oh, actually, one thing I do love, uh, okay, if we're getting into the actual scenario proper now. Yeah. There's a, there's a bit, there's a little sidebar bit that somehow got my eye. It's... You know, the scenario starts with the players, they receive a letter or a phone call from the mayor of this town. Yeah. Fuzzy Dent. Yeah. By the way. And um, and it's and it says, like, you know, they get a letter, like, it says, you know, we like, I need you, like, I, I'm requesting your, like, of course, very vague, like a lot of, like, how to get PCs involved is. Say, I need your help with some investigations. I'm willing to pay and includes, like, a check for $500. Yeah. Well, there's a little sidebar that says, okay, well, what if your players decide not to go and say tear up the check? Yeah. Says, well, he says, well, then, like, well, you can always make it, you know, put a little time urgency on it. Like the phone is like, please help us, we need you, gunshot. Yeah. Says, and if that doesn't work, then maybe you should get some more uh, inner, more active players. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a published but, adventure. But, like the thing takes place in the town, and that's what you bought the fucking adventure for. So, like, well, if you don't go there, we have nothing to do. So, like, I know, but the heck, they actually address that. But at the same time, the scenario, as I said, railroady. What I like is like it just kind of like it's written for GURPS horror, which is kind of like this generic horror. But they mention things. There are setting <laughs> at specific elements in it. Like there's a cabal of evil people who do mm-hmm. evil things, and they finance it, and they're rich, and they're Illuminati esque. And pe- there's psychics just fucking everywhere apparently because there's mm-hmm. like three of them in the scenario. Uh, and 
So there, there are some things. Like, kind of like, well, the P, assuming the PCs are some kind of researchers or investigators or detectives, there's some reason why people would hire them out. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, you can't make assumptions for individual campaigns. Mm-hmm. So they get the check. They go to the town. <laughs> and then the first thing is the mayor doesn't remember them. Yeah. Doesn't Which, re- to me, that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah, you get, this, you get a letter and a check from his checkbook. In fact, they even say, like, you know, if you ask to see his checkbook, he'll readily agree, and it came from his checkbook. Yeah. It's his signature. Yeah, he has no memory of it, but he's like, well, huh. I was like, oh, well, I must, maybe you're here for a reason. So yeah. so he lets them stay anyway and do what they were going to do. Yeah. He doesn't know what to investigate there. Like, it's very vague. So at first, you were just kind of like, there's nothing there. It's just kind of like, there's nothing where they In fact, they, they even mentioned, like, well, for the really for the first eight, or eight to 12 hours, nothing really is going to happen. Yeah. The players can use this too to... Walk around town and meet the townsfolk. Yeah, like so. At this point, you really had no ideas, did yeah. you? Didn't you? Well, it's just kind of a weird. It is kind of a weird structure to have the hook and then just like, uh, which, you know. uh, but most scenarios, nay, most players say. So you say, okay, when you get to the, when you finally meet the person that brought you there, yeah, that's the time for exposition, yeah, questions, so we can get this ball rolling, yeah. Actually, what I really what the the weirdest thing for me about the mm-hmm. scenario was the way it was written. In that, in almost every scenario I've ever read, they always have like a GM section right at the beginning. It's like, here the fuck is what's going on. Like, yeah, they I read, the, they didn't. They didn't at all. You have to read the whole goddamn thing to find out what's going on. Like it's not even to the last two pages. And he's like, oh, and there uh, and uh, there is a thing that yeah. Ross, of course, he read it first, bothered yeah. him, and then when I read it. I didn't think it would bother me as much, but sure as shit it did. We'll go into that at the end. <laughs> There's just yeah, so but, many things. And then, of course, then... Um, so you, you they, they fuck around and then... So that essentially says you, like, the mayor will drive them to his hotel because he yeah. owns the hotel. And does, and, the very, and the very helpful manager, who's very yeah. friendly and nice, is also the guy that's basically Norman Bates. Yeah. You know, gives him, gets them to their rooms and he's, once again, they're saying, the players are once again, feel free to... You know, do it like like. Okay, we get it. Can we just yeah. move along? And then finally, the next day, yeah, eh, something happens. And then something's like great. Like people literally zombies. Like they literally they climb like out of zombies the happen. Yeah, three guys who died on the lake come out of their grave and they're they're stomping around. Nobody believes the crazy old guy who sees it. Even though they even say all forensic evidence point to no one dug this from above. It came from inside. It came from underneath and it was uneven digging so it's very obviously came from hands. Yeah. There are dirty footprints that lead (laughs) to a parking lot and then very clear motorcycle tracks. Yeah. But I love it. He says, and they even say, now if the players don't happen to notice it, the sheriff will notice it right away afterwards. Yeah. So they're, they're just going on like that. And so, hey, there's a mystery. And so the mayor's like, hey, why don't you guys find out what the dealio is? And we're like, hey, why don't we? We're yeah. players. Uh, so then the adventure goes on. They start figuring out. They, they encounter the zombies. They fight the zombies. And But then after <laughs> those three zombies, that that's it for zombies pretty much. Like, yeah. There are no more zombies in the adventure. And you find out. Uh, why don't we go ahead and explain the, the, the main plot? Or, are we ready to go to that I point? I think we're ready to spoil it for the listeners. All right. There are no zombies. There are no zombies. There are no zombies. And I know what you're thinking. Well, yes, but three bodies dug themselves out of their graves. Yes, they did. They're clones. <laughs> They're purposely made clones who are actually instructed to dig themselves out of their own grave. 
and then attack anything that is food. <laughs> that is literally, that was the only thoughts put into their clone brain. Yeah. That's it. And they bleed green blood, I think, or something like that. Yeah. They don't, they're, they're not normal, and they're hard to kill. Uh, and then the players start investigating <laughs> the shenanigans. More and more weird things yeah. start happening. And at one point it even says, and it says, like, there's a town meeting. Yeah. And it says, the players are then blamed for what's going on. Yeah. It's like, it even said, regardless, irregardless of their actions. Irregardless. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what they do, they are blamed. Yeah. And this is the point, the first time where it says, this would be a good time to put the players in jail. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, um, it's the... For a good for part of this this scenario, the scenario, not the GM, the scenario really needs the players in jail. Yeah. Well, it suggests that. It says that would be easy to do because it like describes how they could then advance mm-hmm. the plot. They see a guy disappear, get pulled out of jail, comes back. He's di- uh, very different, doesn't remember them. They, they Then they can pull, <laughs> put two to two together and like, oh, invasion of the body snatchers kind of thing going on. Uh, and they can start investigating more. But there are other ways. Like, it doesn't say that they have to. It just says this is the best way. Like, mm-hmm. it clear, so it's kind of like nudging the GM but not forcing the GM. Not like all fall down, which literally like they have to be arrested to start the adventure, mm-hmm. the real adventure. But we'll get to that in a bit. Um, and so the players start investigating it. They found out that the medical clinic has this new machine that they just all- screams evil scientists are involved in this. Yeah. And they can't find out what company made the machine. They don't know what the machine does. The guy won't let them view the bit manual for it. Mm. And then they say, oh, why don't you try out the machine? You should get your free checkup. Right. Or there's a, actually, well, okay, I mean, one really good part that I love, I think should definitely be, it's, it's said it's an optional thing, but it's a cool little scene of, like, a child running up to the, running up crying, and, you know, saying that, he says, my mommy's not my mommy. Yeah. And then the mother comes along, smiling, like, oh, and that's like, boys will be boys. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Which is what the father of the three zombie kids said. Yeah. But it's like, and it, it says, and if anyone who makes a psychology check will know, the kid's not making this up. Yeah. And so again, so there there is kind of a creepy thing, like in this middle part where like the players are going around talking to the NPCs, trying to figure out what's going on, and the the, the it's actually eventually kind of could be very effective because like oh the players could be talking to this person and then they meet them a few hours later and they don't remember who they are and like shit like that. Or even worse, even worse, like ask what are you doing in town? Yeah, exactly. And so you, you have a lot of that uh, in the adventure. That could be really fucking creepy. Mm. But it sort of builds and builds until like, um, I can't remember what the exact impetus are. But they basically everyone comes into to town into a big mob or what was it? Yeah, it was a gathering out front of the church, I believe. Yeah. And uh, the and I think it does happen really suddenly. Mm-hmm. So it's you know suddenly like all the people is like kind of start mechanically and stiffly walking towards the center of town. Yeah, and this uh, and this you know I don't want to say priest, but like the scientist, the the villain scientist guy, right? Who you never almost you only you never even hear of. Yeah, because he's until holed he sh- up in an abandoned mine outside of town. Yeah. but li- I mean literally. They never mention this guy. Yeah, there's no way the players find out about him. Like, until that moment. Yeah, until that moment. And they, they and he starts talking on top of the car. But then they say, well, what it, like, well, if the players shoot that one, then it was just a clone of the actual guy who's actually broadcasting his psychic message through a uh, yeah. loudspeaker. Yeah, so the players can't one-shot the villain too early. 
And then they, they, they and then they attack this huge mansion. On Which the also, of- once again, yeah. they never mention until that happens. Yeah, exactly. And because um, the the guards who protect that mansion uh, never talk to the townspeople, they they just stay mm-hmm. there and they're reclusive. And like so, the town folk don't like them because they don't socialize, right? But then the town folks are attacking in mass, and uh, the guards are like, "Oh shit!" And so the the adventure stipulates that the players go to the mansion, tell them that, "Oh shit, you're going to be trying atta- to warn the guy that's there." Yeah, there's this corporate executive who's hiding there, and somehow the players are supposed <laughs> to figure that out that he his life is which in they really don't do a good job in this scenario. Yeah, exactly, and. So when they figure that out, they're supposed to warn him. He's not going to believe them if they warn if they for some reason get mm. a hold of him early, find out early, and tell him before. So he has no yeah. chance of escaping. And so there's this big fight where they're fighting off the mob. They get Which, to the leg. That's and, a good part where the vehicles show up if it's auto duel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, oh, at this point, there's no way for the players to leave either. Yeah, but, they can't leave town. They they mention that. Like, apparently, the road the, the road into town is so small, narrow. And unpassable. Yeah, that they can't even like do a driving stunt around it. And if they do, yeah, because they put logs in front of it. Or yeah, whatever. and if they do, then there's a second roadblock just ahead. With yeah, guys with guns and cars, mm-hmm. and of course more heavily armed cars. An auto duel. Yeah. <laughs> what so, I love though is the players like fuck it, we'll just walk through the woods. <laughs> there's a literally a cl- they cloned a Boy Scout troop and yeah. gave them weapons and they'll attack them if they try to leave. Gleefully attack. Gleefully attack. <laughs> and so at this point, the players are on the run. They're hiding. Yeah, I mean, they're trapped in town by I really think kind of asinine ways. Yeah. And then the players like, oh, they need to get allies and try and figure out where to go. And the only way to go is the abandoned mine and blah 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 and. So the, the, the finale of the scenario is if they round up any NPCs who haven't been cloned uh, and try and help, and, you know, they, they have to storm the abandoned mine complex and try to kill whoever's inside. So it's basically it yeah. turns and into there are, and dungeon there are, crawl. And there are clones, zombies, and mercenaries. The mercenaries I love the most because they give them so much care. They're not just like mercenaries. One, two, or three, and four. They're the, the four horsemen. And they, they have full names and histories. And histories. And they're fucked up. Like one of them's a dwarf. The other one's an albino or something. I mean. Because so they get you know, points. Because that's yeah. what happened in old GURPS. Yeah, but, yeah. You got like, one. I'm a one-armed quadriplegic <laughs> albino. But so, I'm also a billionaire. Yeah, but they have yeah their personal <laughs> histories. And they'll fight. And they're just like. And they will fight to the death. No, they'll fight if they if they can't get paid. They're mercenaries. It does mention that that they're not, they're not mm. fanatical, uh, but they're pretty badass. And the way combats go, they really wouldn't have much. Fun. Yeah. So somehow the players get through all of these hordes of clones and mercenaries and <laughs> Z- not yeah, zombies, not zombies. Uh, then they meet the main bad guy, who's the scientist, who's a psychic. And why don't you describe his motivation for this scenario? I, I like to it's, see. It's 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 revenge. It's revenge because this the guy that was in the mansion said he was insane because he was trying to clone people. I was like, "That's great, great, you're fired." Yeah, and he says, "Well, I'll show you crazy, ha ha ha!" And he gets funding from the cabal, this evil Illuminati group. Like, I'm gonna clone people. Yeah, and then it's I, like it's like so I can so I can get revenge on this one guy who insulted me. And what's great is his plan involves him like he. The the executive who who is a target for revenge doesn't live in the town. He's only in the town because someone threatened him, and this is supposed mm-hmm. to be like his retreat, his hideout. He's in hiding. 
<laughs> and so that's the only reason he's there. So this guy had this plan. He's like, all right, I know he's going to go in hiding there if I threaten him. So I'll take over the entire town with clones. with clones, and then I'll lure him there, and then I'll attack him. Like, not trying to clone people at the fucking uh, a factory or uh, mm. a, a corporation he works at. No, 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 no. Not just break into his house at night and take him out with my badass mercenaries. No, we'll do this. We'll fuck up an entire town. Cause, yeah. Because this will be so much easier. Yeah. And, and yeah, so. And essentially, uh, you have to go down this mine. I mean, it's not a bad dungeon crawl as far as dungeon crawls go. There are yeah. a few genuinely creepy moments, like. Like when you're crawling through, if you crawl through, you know, the vents to get in there, you'll happen across where they dump all the bodies of the people they've killed. Yeah. Which that's cool. Yeah. But really hard. It's really hard, especially they're really vague on the equipment you have. Yeah. Well, there's no way. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, all the the enemy is armed with assault weapons and yeah. Or if it's auto duel, (laughs) you know, advanced cars and shit. Yeah. And. I think my favorite though is is the the conclusion. Yeah. Because apparently, besides two people that they've cloned, they've killed everyone else they've cloned. Yeah, they've like the most of the town is dead. Like. Uh, yeah, but then there's a section like, can the players save the town? <laughs> yes, they can. <laughs> if they figure out how the equipment works, they can make full clones of everyone that's died with the full memories instead of edited. <laughs> yeah. So essentially, you can play God. <laughs> and reclone everyone who's been killed, and they'll have no memory of ever being killed. Everyone gets a mulligan. <laughs> everyone gets a mulligan. <laughs> like, that's the best part. It's like that's covered. That entire thing is covered in like the last page, page or two of the entire scenario. Like that's like, oh, here's what happens, what ends. It's just like a couple paragraphs at most. Like not even dealing with the implications of like having fucking eclipse level, eclipse face technology. Yeah, like having ego 19- bridges. And yeah, shit. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, you're all back. But my mommy oh, is my mommy. I started to, it's a it's just like it's just it's, like it's just you. as good. It's just as good. You're fine. You're fine. You're all fine. <laughs> that's what I love about it. Like it's an incredibly like that's kind of a happy ending. Like we're not really gonna think about but the manifest- when you think about it, yeah. it's not really <laughs> that kid's mommy is actually dead and yeah. You're replacing her with a clone that, yeah, doesn't isn't all brainwashed and crazy, yeah, but is still a clone, <laughs> and everyone else is a clone. So, uh, and then they have like suggestions for other adventures in the town, mm-hmm. uh, like, or they have a, actually, and the rewards like, well, if they save the corporate guy, the corporation rewards them. Yeah, and it's all covered up, and the FBI comes like, in. No, 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 yeah, it's one of those, this is one of those things. How do you cover this up? Yeah. This Hundreds is, of people have been murdered and replaced with technology centuries more advanced than anything uh, the world's ever seen. Yeah, like 500 people dead. <laughs> I think they said it was half the town, so like 500 people are dead. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, science beyond <laughs> beyond man's capability. One of the things I like about it is they're talking in the room description for the, the memory bank room or the, the cloning room. They talk about, oh, here's where all the memory banks of all the townspeople's memories are. And if it's destroyed, you've doomed the town. Yeah, you've doomed it. But if you're nice, you could say there's a backup somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. 
All right. But, okay, one of my other favorite parts is the auto-duel <laughs> section. Uh, even just gives up, like, this isn't a big thing. Like, apparently there's cloning technology in auto-duel, including memory things. So, like, the only thing he does different is, like, yeah, this guy mutates his clones, and that's not cool. But other than that, he's... Like, yeah. doesn't say how. Like, he mutates them. Yeah. That's like, it. there's... Yeah, he has a fucking Igor. He has a deformed clone assistant <laughs> that's fanatically loyal to him. Who calls him master. Yeah. I mean, just, like, Wow. Holy shit. Wow. So, yeah, just reading through this, I mean, one, yeah, no zombies. Like, when I. <laughs> and, that, and the cover, all the art, the back description. Yeah. Zombie Town, USA. Yeah, when I skimmed through it at Metagames, I thought I was going to get, like, oh, there's this little town. I'm sure they'll have zombies. Oh, it's kind of like House of the Dead. You yeah, know? yeah, something like that. Mansion in this small town where yeah. horrible things are happening. Yeah, involving no. zombies <laughs> but no somehow I don't know why like, I'm gonna clone these three kids first yeah. I'm gonna dig up their old bodies put these cloned zombie looking bodies down there yeah oh and actually like, he got the cabal to cause the storm that's actually said that's right that's right the that cabal kills the three kids the co- kills the three kids so like you know, your revenge plans are really convoluted. <laughs> this is like, it's like so you're gonna Venture keep... Brothers monarch level. Yeah. So. No, this is, yeah, this is a Venture Brothers villain. Yeah, it really is. And yeah, the other thing about the Dungeon <laughs> Call is like, it's really hard. It's like a military hardened position. Like the mercenaries know what they're doing. They have all the shit set up. And like, how, <coughs> like this is at the end of the adventure. Yeah. If the players have escaped a mob of hundreds of angry clones, have tried to probably get through yeah. the... And that's what I'm assuming. Like, what if the, they all thought this was like GURPS horror... And had more like investigator characters. You would have to have soldiers yeah. to do this. Yeah, lots of points in shooting and hand to hand and health. Toughness. And refl- yeah, lightning pass reflexes and shit like that. So, yeah. Man, this adventure. And I would actually say at some point, if I was, if this was the scenario, if we were playing GURPS horror and this scenario came up going, we're really kind of dumping the horror there, aren't we? Yeah. See, I mean, I could still use this as like uh, at least the <laughs> town itself. No, the town would be great to use. Yeah. It's definitely like products like that like are very useful. Anything that cuts mm. down on like the the hell that, that could be a, that could be Silent Hill. Yeah, that could it, it kind of already is yeah. with the crazy people and the mercenary and the, the crazy sadist psychic um, boarding. But yeah, this house. could be any small town to use for any actual horror scenario. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of useful. So, and it's interesting like they have this level of detail that that kind of grunt work in there, but the <laughs> the the game design is still very kind of jokey, very kind of like. There's not much paid attention to uh, versimilitude, like the idea of like this has to be make sense and be consistent. But mm-hmm. they're like, oh, he makes a storm. Oh, he's got billions of dollars. Oh, he's got mercenaries. Yeah. Like that. Like, and they just say they, they just say, um, oh, he has a cloning machine. Yeah, and, and like you don't really see that. I think in modern horrors, they they try and like have it make more sense or make it be more <laughs> consistent. Like, I mean, of course, I've only been reading like new Call of Cthulhu and Trail of Cthulhu adventures, and those are very much like they have to make sense and be mm-hmm. believable. And not have random bullshit in there. This game, this game has this scenario has a lot of random. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like the actual moment where the zombies show up is totally random. Yeah, there's no reason for it to be in the in the scenario. I, mean, that's, I think that's you know the kind of an insight into like the difference in game philosophy, game design philosophy. Like, like well, that this way, well, we need some zombies. Yeah, and um, oh, we're gonna need uh, we're gonna need a big siege. Yeah, because you know that's cool. Oh, uh, ooh, mines, mines. Yeah, and abandoned. Like, Mercenaries too, crazy mercenaries with weird personalities and yeah, yeah, quirks. I just, it's yeah, it seems like what they decided to focus on to flesh out is very interesting. Like, 
they don't really want to, there's not so much the plot they flesh out, but boy, the mercenaries they fleshed out. Yeah, like, I mean, I don't, you like, by that, that's the end of the adventure. <laughs> by the point the players encounter them, they're just gonna be like, fuck it, we kill it. You know, they're mm. not gonna want to know who they are. It's like, oh, here's this kid, dwarf with a gun and blah, blah, blah. Like, fuck, I don't care. Or like, like no, 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 we're gonna hijack, we're gonna hijack a dump truck and yeah. just smash our way through the town to actually call. Some, oh, and of course, all communication with the outside's cut. Not. But it actually happens before all the shit hits the fan, too. Yeah. So that's... And they're not even talking about cell phones, because this was like 1988. Yeah. So like landlines yeah. were cut. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But again, I think that, that kind of random stuff is sort of a, a core belief in these like 80s game, earlier mm-hmm. games. The idea is well, it's like stuff that has to be in there. Yeah, it does it, it, it's just like whatever would be fun from an encounter point, not something that like would make sense. Like I think games now, today, <laughs> they, they, like if it doesn't make sense within the setting, you're not going to put it in there. In, the, in those games, they didn't care, like, mm-hmm. I think, as much back then. Because so. it's, it's weird. I mean, the name, the zombies to me are the most random, yeah. pointless thing in there. Yeah. There's no reason for them to be in there. No. But that's not only one of their big moments, is it's on the cover. It's what the title is. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Very. Uh, so our next adventure. So uh, this weirdness goes right along yeah. to uh, 2020. Yeah. Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk. Yeah. Uh, All Fall Down, which, again, is from Atlas Games. They licensed it. Uh mm-hmm. And the description on the back really literally goes something like this. It's, you guys are all in town with a nomad friend of yours in Vegas. For, you know, you're going to, like, uh, for a night of partying and drugs. And then, corporate civil war! That's it. Yeah. And what I like, well, I mean, the first thing, it starts out the same way as Zombie Town, in that it describes Vegas. And yeah, or I think it's Boomer Town. Boomer Town. And they describe it in each zone and what kind like, of things go on. And, the, in and there. throughout the and the history from like you know the crash to yeah. um, and pretty good detail. Yeah, I think so. But uh, they kind of like so they go through there. They say, oh, here's the only combat zone in the in the Vegas. Mm-hmm. And here's this place, and here's this place, and here are the things. And it's not that it's a this is a shorter product than much uh, shorter. Yeah, much shorter. Uh, so it's very kind of much more to the point. Uh, and then they get to the actual uh, adventure, and the adventure starts out with a drug deal. The, uh, the drug, or the players are at a bar called the Last Stand, and they're trying to. Yeah, just so you know, the uh, like Zombie Town USA is sixty-four pages. This is twenty-eight pages. Okay, yeah, it's thirty. It's like a 30. third of the size. Yeah. Um, <coughs> and so anyway, so the, like the players are at a bar to make a drug deal with these nomads, and. Uh, but then, which kind of just assumes the players are the type that would go do a drug deal. Yeah, and then the this gang comes in, the James gang, and they're literally wild yeah, ass it, cowboy cosplayers, but w- with guns and with cyber. advanced weapons. Yeah, with advanced weapons, and they just start a fight. And so that's literally the first scene is just shoot these dudes, and then the cops show up in overwhelming numbers, and arrest. Yeah, them. it's it's like ridiculous. It's like you suddenly got a. Not a six, but a five-star wanted rating instantly. Yeah. And they were right there. Yeah, so the players are all caught. And there's there's no provisions for what to do if the players get away or anything like that. And uh, then the players are arrested, and there's a whole scene like, oh, describe it as like a, a fascist madhouse. You know, everyone's saluting and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, welcome to Vegas. Yeah. It's like, Fias and not SS. Yeah, and so that's all just basically a cutscene. The players can't really do anything. And yeah, really, the first twenty minutes or so of the camp, the scenario is 
a scenario is a cutscene. It would be like an hour if you count the mm-hmm. gunfight, but like that whole jail scene is definitely a cutscene. So like you have a, fi- a pointless fight and then a cutscene, and then the corporation bails you out and get put you on a job and say you can't back out now because we bailed you out. Ha ha ha. So like literally, you could have cut that everything and just say you get a job from a corporation. Yeah, but like no, we'll have that because they want to establish the nomad who wants to be your friend, who is just really friendly to you, like for some reason. Even though they actually mentioned that he's pretty—he's suicidal, pretty suicidal, and pretty yeah, messed he up. Doesn't give a fuck. And the James Gang, which are just needless antagonists, <laughs> secondary antagonists, they're just there to fuck with you. And uh, <laughs> then the the deal is you have to. There's another drug. One like this is called Blue Ice, and you were originally trying to sell Blue Glass. And then they, you're mm-hmm. now selling a new drug called yeah. Blue Ice. And that you Which did- I love that. And for, like, another spoiler. Blue Ice, it's a drug that kills you. It turns you into a berserk zombie at first, doesn't it? And then and then you die. Yeah. It it is one hundred percent lethal. <laughs> I'm sorry, I know there are junkies. There are some mega junkies in Cyberpunk 2020, but I don't see how a drug that is guaranteed to end your life would ever catch on. Well, that, there's a delay. Like, they describe the mechanics mm-hmm. of it, and... Uh, but it's 100% lethal. Right, but it doesn't happen right away. So, like, it takes a couple of weeks for that to be lethal or whatever. I think. I don't know. I don't remember. Still, it's... it's yeah. But it's, it is lethal. They make that clear. Yeah. I mean, it, it is lethal. So... Um, <coughs> <laughs> but I think it, it, it just start, it starts off as, as just assuming you're the players will want me doing a drug deal. Yeah. Never mind. What if you actually have a group that... No, we're actually because remember, cops are one of the starting classes. Like, what if you're a group of cops <laughs> who don't do drug deals? Yeah. Well, you're doing a drug deal. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, the cops arrest you. Well, like, the cops arrest you while you're doing a drug deal. Like, well, and we, your punishment like, is to do another drug deal. <laughs> like, uh, well, badges. We're we're also cops undercover. You just blew an operation. No, they bailed you out. You do drug deal for corporation. <sighs> Railroady, <laughs> and th- what I like though, it, they have mechanics for like describing how to do the drug deal. Like you're given fifty kilograms of this shit, a lot of that's this- fifty fucking kilos. Yeah, a lot of fucking drugs, <laughs> and so you have to get a whole drug distribution network set up. You have to get dealers and manage them. Like, and it's done in a couple pages, and the, like the way it's set up, it's like impossible to make any money out of it. Uh, but you can still try to make some money out of it. So, like, they, they, they have, like, potential encounters. Like, oh, some of your dealers got busted. You have to go bail them out or lose the money that they would be making you and shit like that. And, like, yeah. yeah. I will admit, games where you are actually, your point is to start, like, create an organization from the ground up. Yeah. I really enjoy those kind of games. No, those can be fun. Those definitely can be fun. They're one of my favorite types of scenarios, but it has to be my idea. Or yeah. I have to actually be the like, or it has to be the group is like, all right, just wait, like this has to be like. First of all, it has to be our goal. Like, all right, let's have a consensus. How do we do this? Not right. just, and you're gonna do it with this fifty kilos of drugs <laughs> for us. Yeah, we take seventy percent. By the way, yeah. So the, <laughs> capitalism and so the players sell all the drugs. And uh, by the way, the game, the scenario makes the point that the players are going to be betrayed and killed by the corporation mm-hmm. whenever this is over, no matter what happens, unless the players do one of a few specific things. And even at the end of the scenario, he was like, even if you survive, the corporation doesn't kill you. You should leave Vegas and start new lives. You're like, yeah. So there's no way to actually come out ahead in this scenario. No, no, it's no, not. it's. I, I thought that when I read it. I read it the first time. 
yeah, there's really nothing you can do to actually be better than you were when this started. Yeah. <laughs> it's a total fuck up. I mean... I mean, okay, a scenario where you can, where depending on what you do, you can turn out way worse than you started. That's cool, but if that's the only possible outcome, why are we playing it? So in the meanwhile, mm-hmm. uh, the corporation that created this drug is going through a civil war. Uh, the R and D department is broken into two factions, literally shooting, trying to kill each other, and things are getting worse. <coughs> and the people start dying from the drug, uh, and. At this point, you realize you've been screwed over, and so you and the biker gang, I, I, let me know if I'm missing any points, no, you're, uh, decide to basically, fuck it, let's go attack the corporate headquarters. Like, And literally, it's like, yeah, it's basically, it's like a 130-story building. So you're basically, you have to storm the Burj Khalifa, <laughs> only it's entirely occupied, apparently, by mercenaries, cyber grunts, sentry guns, motion sensors. Well, you can't use the elevator for part of it, mm-hmm. at least. But yeah, like, you and this biker gang go, and it's a dungeon crawl, again! Like, a super hard dungeon crawl, too. Uh, because they describe, they have sentry guns, they have placed landmines. They have an army in there. They have an army in there, and blah, 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 blah. And, of course, in the meantime, like, in between selling the drugs and storming the skyscraper you have chances to learn information mm-hmm. uh, to and then get attacked yeah. by the James gang by yeah. corporate mercenaries that are hired Holy to shit. pacify in Vegas Holy shit you know what this is What This is a Saints Row scenario <laughs> This whole yeah. that's what it is Yeah I mean yeah, cuz storming a ridiculously huge corporate fortress skyscraper Yeah That's totally what you do Yeah Yeah this this yeah, this is a 19, early early nineties version of the Saints Row, the third. Yeah, I could see that. Um, Only in Saints Row the third, usually when that happens, you're on top. Yeah, by the end. Yeah, because so if you manage to get through all those levels, and they they have ideas for potential encounters. They they, uh, they yeah they describe certain floors. Yeah, you know, and what you can encounter there. The layouts, which actually. I will say this for Cyberpunk, you really do need to know the layout because you that's it's a the Friday Night Firefight system Tactical, is de- yeah. it's designed to use the area you're in to your yeah. advantage. But like, yeah, I remember one thing they mentioned is like anybody who's at a stationary position has a door gunner vest, the heaviest armor in the game. And mm. They all have this blah 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 blah. It's a very one sided brutal fight. So you you slog through all that. You know, if you're a GM, if I was running it, I'd be like, you get the you have to get through three floors. Each floor will take you to a new elevator, which will let you sky skip. lobby. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Sky lobby. So get that'll get you up forty stories or whatever. So it's like one, two, three. Then you get to the top. So because otherwise, if you go floor, lobby, if you go 40, even like every other floor, you're yeah. gonna be that's a fight that's gonna be that's gonna basically be the storming the Elithid city. Yeah. So, anyways, you get through all that. And then you get to this guy, the the penthouse, and there's the douchebag who's behind the it. The corporate douchebag. Yeah. It's like, it's just, like, I have an inordinate amount of money. Yeah, he puts down this ridiculously heavy armored glass so you can't shoot him. And then he sends in these heavily modified cyber grunts that just do hand-to-hand attacks, but they're super heavily armored and armed. And they're, they're reflex, like super reflexes. Yeah, they're super, super dangerous. Dave and Bob are their names. <laughs> Uh, they're on and, the cover. Yeah, they're on the cover. They're on the cover, and and holy shit, they're wearing motorcycle helmets. It's it's a little little uh, hotline Miami there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's true. They're, they're freshen. Uh, so <laughs> even if you manage to kill those, uh, the best case scenario is, of course, they try and talk you down. It's like, oh, we'll just pay you off. But if, like the scenario says, if you get paid off, you will be killed later. Blah 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 blah. So if you're if you're like that, then um, the other the the. More guys come in, more SWAT guys, corporate SWAT mm. guys. Because there's always more. There's more mercenaries come in. They arrest you. 
And then, but the only way you can survive is you leak everything to the media. Because if you can do some hacking checks, net running checks, uh, you can find out that this is a bioweapon that they decided to test on Vegas just to see how effective it was. Mm. That's literally the backstory. May I throw in a quick brief aside of one one of my problems with Cyberpunk? Sure. Is net running. Yeah. Essentially, that's a huge part of the game that only one class can do. Yeah. And so if you actually have to do it, essentially one player is going to be off doing his own thing. Yeah. Well, everyone else does something else. Right. I kind of like that's one thing. I love the idea of net running, but I think everyone needs to be able to do it. Yeah. Because otherwise, I mean, the idea of like your party, the whole party jacking into a cyber for- to a data fortress and having to like fight it that way, I think that could be cool, but if only one class can do it. Yeah. You're really kind of cutting off you're going to split off the group and you're, you're going to have one person off doing his, his own stuff for quite a while. Yeah. So I, I I say no. Let anyone be able to do that. That's that's a brief aside, but I think that needs that needs to be said, especially with this scenario too. Yeah, no, I mean that that's definitely. Um, I know that's been solved in like Shadowrun later on. Cause now sure, but I mean Cyberpunk started it. I get yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, well, Shadowrun had the same problem too, mm-hmm. especially in the earlier editions. So i forgot so the like their only way to survive is if they leak everything to the media uh and then they refuse payoffs and even then they have to leave town like that's how and that's how it ends mm-hmm. so the players were picked up as pawns manipulated yeah. fought I, killed hundreds of people or and, I, and i think about it that's not even the way 80s action movies went yeah i mean yeah the players had to do all this shit of course they're of course you knew they were going to be betrayed especially if it's a corporation did, oh yeah did but they always got the upper hand, no matter how small. Right. And they got they got away with something. And there's, like, no way to even kill the corporate sleazebag who's behind all of it because he's being— <laughs> Which is ridiculous. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. He's supposed I mean, to go through well, that window. And especially if we're saying this is, like, 1980s, you know, cyberpunk shit. No. The corporate douchebag dies. Yeah. Often spectacularly, but he dies. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's not a very good adventure. No, it's not. It once again, extremely railroady. Yeah. And with scenes thrown in that not don't have any seem don't seemingly have no purpose or actual reason, but just it seems well, we have to put a a, a moment like that in there. Yeah, like well, I mean, there's a lot of you, the the super hard dungeon crawl at the end uh, mm-hmm. after the players have been battered, and like there's a lot of opportunities for random gunfights in this, mm-hmm. like in the middle part of the scenario, like when you're selling the drugs, when after you're selling the drugs, you figure out the corporation is betraying you, trying to figure out how to get the skyscraper, trying to how to get in, uh, blah 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 blah. There's a lot of ways to get shot up before you even step and, in the skyscraper. And if you're not if you're not a party of basically all solos with maybe a med techie with you, yeah, you're gonna die. Probably. Oh yeah, no. Like you need maxed out combat characters for it because that's but, all. They, but I will say, then again, most of the time in Cyberpunk, that's what you're going to do. Yeah, you might have your techie character, but even he should have at least a one weapon skill at ten. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's the kind of thing is that you you uh, both these adventures kind of rely on these kind of random elements. Mm-hmm. Um, like the James okay. Gang, which is a total non-starter. Like I like they, they have the only point. Their only purpose is they're there, and it's weird. Yeah, they're there to shoot at you and try and steal your drugs and try and fuck with you. Of course, and, and yeah, then you, they uh, you never find out how they knew this deal was going down. Yeah, do are they working by themselves? Do they? And there's a backstory like about how this bioweapon got developed. You know, like it was developed in space by radiation and all this other sci-fi bullshit. Mm-hmm. You never have a chance to find that out uh, either. Nor does it even. 
become an issue. Yeah. But it's interesting because uh, it seems like all these 80s designers, a lot of them uh, from this very small cross uh, sample, seem to think that a super hard dungeon crawl is what makes a good finale for a scenario. Mm-hmm. And this isn't limited to these two scenarios. I've seen it a lot of other like times. D&D is but like, yeah. Well, D&D, but even like any kind of 80s yeah. games. Like I remember Dark Conspiracy. Like I, I flipped through some scenarios. Uh, mm-hmm. There's one scenario. I can't remember the name. Yeah. Actually, actually, a couple of the Palladium scenarios. Oh yeah, a lot of a lot of those. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, the truckers ones. Uh, like the scenarios, they always end up like, oh, you have to take out the bad guy in his lair. But the dark conspiracy one was like, oh, here's this mystery investigation that culminates in going into a gate to another world, which is an alien temple and pyramid and blah blah blah. Dungeon dungeon crawl at the end. So like mystery mystery investigation dungeon crawl. And thing is, okay, I will say with cyberpunk. I w- it's not. Uh, it's the problem. I, I, I the other problem I have, which it's not so bad with cyberpunk because you always expect a firefight in that. It's cyberpunk. Yeah, it's yeah. like gunfights are like. It's uh, the combat system is called Friday Night Firefight. Yeah, but in the uh, but in um, you know the Zombie Town USA, you might be under the impression you're in GURPS horror. Yeah. So you have a, an academic occult investigator. Yeah. Or a scholar or a journalist who's going to suddenly be thrown in at the end to this storming a well-fortified compound. Yeah. And it's, you have no choice. So, I mean, you're investigator guy, boy, I sure hope he, he got his journalism degree on the GI bill or something. Yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise you're fucked. You really are. Or if you play a professor Armitage type character, you're doubly fucked. I mean, it's yeah. It's just interesting. They don't think of a way to have a finale other than a, a extended, fight. extended dungeon crawl fight, com- tactical combat. Uh, I mean, in new investigations, <laughs> you don't have that. Or newer scenarios like invasive mm-hmm. procedures, which I ran last year as a published scenario. I mean, the whole place kind of takes place in a dungeon, the hospital. But the, the but there, I, I mean, it, that is so perfect for an enclosed space you can't leave. Yeah, because you're in the hospital. Right. And it's not a. Uh, there's a confrontation at the end, but it's not like you have to slog through three levels of monsters to get no. to the end. Well, that's well, you know, and that's well in a book of the unwriting horror and that kind of shit. It's often better not to fight them. Right. But I'm just thinking about scenarios, published mm-hmm. scenarios. So um, even uh, I know the unspeakable oath. We play tested one of the scenarios for the next issue, Cold Dead Hand, and technically that kind of is dungeon crawl in some sense. There's a lot of fighting, but it doesn't end with like three levels of fi- you know a fortified. Mm-hmm. You're assaulting a defended position, but you're also special forces soldiers, right? Well, I mean, the thing is, we we it's a chaotic scenario, and we're not the 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 bad guys, the opposition that aren't just static waiting for us. They have their own things, and they kind of move around. Mm-hmm. Blah 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 blah. So, well, there's nothing actually a scenario where you actually have to storm a you know a, you know you have to capture a defended position. That's good fun shit. Yeah, it can be if that's what you expect to do, right. or if you're actually. Able to do it once again. I say cyberpunk, not a problem, because this crazy, crazy military storming war shit. That's 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 Tuesday. Yeah. But once again, it's in that that GURPS scenario, particularly if you have the wrong type of characters, you're dead. Yeah. You're just dead. Yeah, because I mean, uh, and the thing it shifts. Like it starts out as investigation. There's a lot of stuff like, especially in Zombie Town, where you can talk to people, you can try and investigate, you like find out what that machine is, <laughs> find out what the mansion is, find out mm-hmm. the history behind the mine, blah blah blah. And then it shifts gears to just kill, 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 uh, and with no alternative. Yeah, other no than al- you can either fight or run. Yeah. 
So that, that's the kind of thing. Is like, I, I mean, that's a good, valuable game design lesson. Is like, if you're if you're setting up a scenario, don't shift gears like that and expect success. You know, like it's it, players are just going to either either they're going to be combat min max characters and they're just going to be, you know, you're be throwing rocks at a wall. They're just bouncing off. The plot's just bouncing off of them. You know, mm-hmm. until you finally have things for them to kill. <laughs> Or they're just going to be like really get into it, or they're in, and then or they'll, they they'll crumble, or they're investigators and like and now siege. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's there's even in all fall down, well, there's usable material like Vegas would be good as and, a and actually uh, and actually the the layout of the skyscrapers and yeah. shit. I might actually use that in a game. Yeah, that's computer generator. It's kind and, of and and even for actual like I have a big firefight in there. There's nothing wrong with a great, big, cool firefight. Yeah. Like, they have a lot of NPCs, just random NPCs, like the cops. I mean, when I I thought about it, if that scenario actually had, at this point, the players could leave Vegas and just, like, you know, be done with it, but the corporations win, or, like, you can actually do what what 80s action movies do is, we can't let them get away with this. Yeah. And it's the player's decision to, let's take them out. Yeah. Then, if there was a choice... I think there's it's a lack of choice in this, and it's once again like I think it's it's something well not entirely something I do but something you said that I'm really big into uh, my scenarios to have patrons yeah like a powerful patron yeah higher but I usually don't do it I don't do it against your will right this one it's the patron who wants you to work for him but you have no choice right I like to think in mind you could, you've gone off down like to uh, you know well piss off I don't want to do this yeah. But it's, it's it's the powerful patron that you have no choice to follow. To follow. Yeah, I mean there 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 is a difference in that. Yeah, there's this coercion. This assuming that players are hyperviolent monsters that which can't, is true, <laughs> but they're hyperviolent monsters that also have free will. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I will say that there's nothing wrong with a scenario where they are forced to do something against their will. Yeah. Like where a, a game starts, where you suddenly wake up and are told you have like a bomb in your skull. Yeah. That if you don't do this, it will detonate. Right. So then you can do it, but you can also, like, well, I also, like, well, I, wait, well, if I can kind of sneak away, I know a guy in this town who's pretty good with surgery and right. yeah. shit. So you have a chance to maybe, like, tell them to go fuck themselves and do your own thing. I mean, to a certain point, like, published scenarios can't do that because they can't <laughs> assume, mm-hmm. like, they, they have to write to accommodate any type of group. Uh, including ones where people would have access to that kind of thing, and people that groups that would not have access mm-hmm. to that. But it so, needs. To, I think it just needs to be. The players can do this or that. Yeah. I just think yeah, any scenario, it should be a choice. Yeah, I think the thing is, uh, like, all fall down. The 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 weakness is the that the hook, the actual hook to the adventure, relies on them being arrested and forced to do like, this. Actually, like, like if, if they, you like, had other options, like they could be willingly, they could be bribed, they could like. Well, shit. Actually, if you say the scenario, you start in prison. Yeah. You know, it's like you can gloss over why they're there, but yeah. if they're all just a group, they're in prison, yeah, and are suddenly all brought out together to an interrogation room in the prison where there's a corporate guy that says, "Is like, how'd you like, how like, how would you like to be out of here?" Something like that. Yeah, that but would work. I really can't. Yeah, I think that whole cut scene in the beginning needs, just needs to be gone. The fight. I mean, yeah, because players get killed. I mean, this is fucking cyberpunk. Like, it's they, designed to be lethal. Yeah. So that was, and also kind of pisses them off. Like if they're like, "All right, you're at a bar, you're gonna do a drug deal, you gotta make a lot of money." Ah, the cops show up. You know, you get arrested, you take, get all your equipment taken away, and you don't get any money. What? And you and you, you never get it back. Yeah. 
well, I assume they get it back after they do the deal for the corporation. Mm-hmm. They who's agree. going to betray them? Yeah, who's going to betray them? So it's kind of like twisting their arm. Like, and, uh, or it's bait and switch. Like, oh, here's this. Nope, you're going to do this. So Negative reinforcement. Yes. So, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so both scenarios, I think, have some interesting material to mine out, to yeah. use. No, they do. I, I, haven't, I don't think I've, ever, I've actually encountered a scenario that had nothing I could use in something. I'll find something. I'm sure you will. <laughs> like, it's like, my little pony. <laughs> Uh, I don't. I'm sure if there is a role playing game for Holy that. Holy shit! My Little Pony storming a corporate skyscraper. That I'm to sure cu- there's, to, there's to, probably to cure, to cure that CEO behind the glass of his greed. Yeah, uh, there's probably My Little Pony diehard fan fiction. I don't know. <laughs> well, that went somewhere dark. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, so. Yeah, I, th- I mean that, that that's kind of lesson is, is um, yeah, like, don't you know, rely on random. You know, yeah, I say like eroding. if you see like one of those dollar old scenarios, pick it up. Yeah, you might. F- I think you're, you'll find something you can use in your games. Because yeah, they have really weird ideas and they're they're they bounce off interest. Like for me, the horror in in Zombie Town is the fucking cloning mind machine. Yeah, like, just, that, make, or, just make an adventure based on that. Like, and like people suddenly forgetting they ever met you. Yeah, holy shit, that's fucked up. Yeah, that is. That's way more fucked up. I'm sorry than. Three co- bodies climbing out of a grave. Or auto-duel. Or auto-duel. <laughs> yeah. I vow that I would only say that word in in that tone. Okay. And That'll probably be your word for the next Kickstarter. That is a uh, ringtone. <laughs> like, you got a call. It's a good thing it's not an auto-duel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd do it. I'm totally sh- fucking yeah, do it. I'm sure you would. So, uh, next up we have a letter. From I do, you. yep. Uh, so I think that's all we have to say about this. I mean, That's uh, all we got to say uh, about we, that. We talked quite a bit about it already. About two little... Because we spent $2 on gaming material and we got this much out yeah. of it. Well, yeah, and there's lots of other treasures out there. There's lots of other things you can mine right. and use right. for your own games. I'm just going to do a pre-shout-out, shout-out. Thank you, Metagames, for your awesome use section. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, true. they got some great shit there. Uh, they do. They do. So if uh, you find yourself in Springfield, Missouri, yeah. Sunshine and Highway 65, yes, go. It's a friendly local game store for us. They did not uh, pay us to say that. No, they didn't. Uh, and then, uh, so ta- your letter, shout-outs, and uh, then we have anecdotes from Days After Ragnarok. Which will uh, be lovely. Yes, talking about Caleb's El Matador. El Matador. See you soon. talk about dragons for a moment. Strange intro, I know, but there is a point. I'm talking about the dragons of the granddaddy of all RPGs. Yep, D&D. So well known that I don't even have to say Dungeons and Dragons. I could walk up to most people on the street and mention D&D, and there would be a good chance they would know what I'm talking about. And I also know that game that game itself has gone through innumerable changes and iterations over the decades, but the dragons have remained con- constant. They remain the iconic monsters that every adventuring party wanted to eventually defeat. They have the unique double whammy of being both tough creatures to defeat, but also with huge piles of treasure that almost comes with the package. They're like giant fire-breathing venture capitalists. There is one aspect of them that has always somewhat struck, me, struck in my craw. That is the automatic assigning of an alignment based solely on what color they are. I am always a little annoyed when a monster has an alignment that says always, as in it is always this alignment. It makes sense for most animals, as they are most often always neutral. If they run you down and eat you, hey, they're just doing what their animal instincts say. And I also get it with demons, devils, and celestials, and other outsiders. 
They exist to personify certain aspects of the universe. All those are fine. And while the image of a cigar-smoking angel who hates everything and says fucking mortals under every breath, and a pit fiend carrying groceries and helping an old lady across the street makes for a great visual fun, they are not possible. I understand. But the dragon alignment color thing always perplexed me. I know they say that dragons hatch knowing everything they need to know to survive, but they also say that hatchlings learn and develop as they grow, same as any other sentient species. So why does the alignment remain totally unchanged? That makes no sense to me. All behaviors are learned from our surrounding stimulus and environment. Sure, a newborn red dragon might have a propensity for evil, but does, does that necessarily mean they will remain chaotic evil for the rest of their enormous lifespans? I assume that dragons have free will like any other intelligent creature. Dragons are not outsiders. They don't represent aspects of alignments. Hell, it clear, clearly states that half-dragons have no such alignment restrictions. Hell, they even state that they don't have to have, to have a leaning towards one alignment or the other. Half-demons and half-celestials have leanings to the alignments of their outsider baby daddy. Half-dragons do not. It is something to think about. Imagine that a red dragon egg is taken to a temple of a good deity. Not Paylor, though. That guy and his followers are dicks. So, a red dragon hatches, complete with his inborn tendency for chaotic evil. But he is surrounded on all sides by good-aligned, emphasized non-dickish worshippers. They show the young dragon nothing but kindness and compassion. True, he is a dragon, complete with his arrogance and self-centered thoughts that come with that. But he is never punished harshly. His chaotic evil leanings are never reinforced. He has shown kindness and love at all times. Given a century or two of this, wouldn't it be conceivably possible this young dragon learns a different mindset? Maybe not a complete 180, but perhaps enough to learn that there is good in the world and that he isn't bound by his own blood. Wouldn't it be possible for this dragon to eventually develop his own mindset? Perhaps in defiance of his chaotic evil nature. Just as likely, wouldn't a hatchling gold dragon raised by the Westboro Baptist Church become a big stupid asshole after constantly being told that he is a horrible beast that looks vaguely Chinese and more than a little queer? Yes. Yes, I think he would. And that is why friends don't let friends give dragon eggs to homophobic racist backwood cults. Take that, Al-Qaeda. Yeah, that was pretty uh, topical there, Tom. I do what I can. <laughs> uh, I'm here to entertain and inform. And inform, yes, and uh, perceive. So, I mean, that that makes a good point. Uh, take that Dungeon and Dragons racial alignment system. So. Yeah, that's that is color racial profiling. That's what that is. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, uh, we have shout outs. We do. Um, first off, I'd like to mention something we both read. Uh, we got a review copy of this. Uh, it's a book called The Nazi Occult. Uh, it's by Kenneth Height, uh, who uh, I will also mm. mention because he wrote the Days After Ragnarok setting, which we'll no. mention in the anecdote. This isn't a nonfiction book, by the way. Yeah, this is – well, it's a fiction book. Yeah, it, it, but it, yeah, you'd think like Nazi occult. And the way uh, – if you flip through it, you'd it, think it was, you would think it was like, oh, uh, this is like, you know, like hit, you know, the Nazi beliefs. and Yeah. No, this is actually assuming like here's all the occult stuff the Nazis did. Yeah. And it involves like, you know, there's like, there's like a panzer tank shooting a – Genie, like a jinn in yeah, the, in the with Persian a, a desert, symbol with a with a rune uh, <laughs> made from smoke. It's projecting mm. smoke or yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, the idea it's a fiction book written like a nonfiction book, 
And it's from Osprey Publishing. And uh, if you're aware of them, they do military history <laughs> stuff, especially illustrated guides to various armies and militaries. To A lot of this is reference work for miniature painters, like historical miniature mm. painters. Uh, so they're branching out and they're doing a series of fiction books. And Kenneth Ike wrote one. It's about like, hey, what if the Nazi occult shit actually worked? Yeah. I like, like the Nazis regularly use werewolves. Yeah. Uh, and not like the uh, guerrilla fighters were supposed to carry in the war. I mean, actual werewolves. In Operation Werewolf. So. Yeah. Uh, which I liked, and the, yeah, it's well illustrated. They got these paintings. Yeah, and sir, it is one of the, if you didn't know it was fiction. Yeah, you could be fooled like to think this is a nonfiction book at first until you see the werewolves or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. But like they do work in a lot of real stuff, like yeah. actual, like especially in the first chapters, they talk about the background of the Nazi occult obsession, like these. Yeah, they uh, mention folklore, actual people, they, these folklore societies. Uh, they mention a lot of actual people and a lot of like what was happening in Germany in the 19th century, including uh, some people who legitimately century. went insane during yeah. that time. Yeah. So it's really good. I, it's only like 60, 72 pages long. It's a quick read. Uh, and some great artwork and some, some great, great art. Yeah. Uh, some great, yeah, some great, you know, just reference pictures and things. Yeah. Uh, so if you're a fan of the Nazis <laughs> and the occult, like maybe, maybe. I mean, if you're doing like a supernatural uh, thing in world war two, yeah, that's a great source for uh Yeah, it's like not visual there's no, aids. There's no game even though this is written by a game designer. Yeah, there's no, no game stuff. There's no there's no gaming stuff. It's Osprey. It's just fiction. It's presented as nonfiction. Uh but it's got a lot of cool stuff in it. So I would recommend if you're doing some cool OSS campaign, yeah. like a yeah. weird war campaign, that'd be a great thing to use. Yeah, that's true. So um yeah, it would be make a great gift for a gamer too. So uh, <laughs> look all not respectful and everything. So that's we both read that. Uh, both gave us a thumbs up. Uh, next up, uh, I got a couple games through Kickstarter. Right, I've been I've been backing a lot of Kickstarters. I, I kind of do that. It's just a thing I do. Um, I'm backing Cthulhu Wars right now. I'm just doing it at the base level because I want the, the and I game. I want that game. Yeah, uh, where I'm not doing any of the add-ons because that shit gets expensive. Holy shit. But anyways, uh, a couple of games that I backed on Kickstarter months or even last year, uh, I've started getting in the mail recently. So I've gotten three games recently that I've tried out one of them. We'll try out the others. Uh, first off is Channel A. I have played this one. Uh, so have I, and we'll have an hour-long AP as a bonus here. It's just a link in the show notes. So you can just download that separately. Uh, listen to the hijinks. Yeah, listen to the hijinks. And it's... An anime pitch show game. Like the idea is one person's the producer and he draws two premise cards. So like Here's what's popular right now. Yeah. Uh Cyberpunk and Cat Girls or cross dressing in the Cthulhu mythos. Or, you know, yeah. there's so, just hundreds of them. So pitch me a show and the players have card, their own cards. Yeah, the, the each of the card, the standard cards, you you draw ten and you pick from two to four of them. And the cards will have words or short phrases on them, like uh, names like Kichi or Yana. Or just letters like Z. Z or uh, Mecca. Mecca, uh, Channel, Dark, Zero. Uh, there's there's a lot of them. and uh, You have to put them together. You put them together to make a title. And then you pitch a game or a show mm-hmm. based on this premise. Then once you've all gone around, yeah. then the group votes on which one they think is the best. No one can vote for themselves. Yeah. And the person who gets the most votes basically gets the uh, premise cards and those the as points. like a uh, apples to apples thing. Yeah. And that's how you go. There are variants. There, there, there's only one rule. There's a one page rule sheet that has variants. So you could do if you get bored of that. Um, so it's just a really fun game to pick up and like relax after we've done it a couple times after uh, doing a role playing game. So it's like 25, 30 bucks. I don't know if it's out yet. Um, 
for normal people to buy. I mean, I backed it on Kickstarter, so I got it early. Yeah. So it's really cool. Um, next up, I'd like to mention uh, I did get Fate Core. I literally just got booked the book today. Uh, like I mentioned in the update, um, we're not going to be using Fate Core for the uh, Base Raiders role playing game, but I will have conversion guides. It's, I mean, Fate is Fate. It's just really the superpowers. And, yeah. Um, it's a really nice book. Like you look, flip through it, glossy right. pages, hardcover, well made, well put. It's together. a good book. Yeah, it's well, uh, uh, cool. a little heavy on the gorillas. A little heavy on the gorillas. Really, I wouldn't think. Out of I, uh, this people, is coming from me. Yeah, that's there's a lot of fucking gorillas in that book. Uh, I have nothing against gorillas, mind you. Yeah, well, but there's just a lot of them. There, there are. A lot well, it's, it's the same one over and over. Yeah, with the, his, they're with, iconic character with his mechanical arm that has missile launchers in it. Yes, like there's something wrong with that. I know at all. Okay. Uh, finally, there's another game I just got. I haven't had a chance to play it out. It's called Boss Monster. It's a card game. We haven't played it yet. Yeah, we haven't played it yet, uh, but we will. And it's a where you're playing a boss monster in a video game. You're like, you know, Hell Cow or the Dragon or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's kind of like 8-bit, 16-bit type Graphic, pixelated yeah. graphics on it. Yeah. And the idea is you build a dungeon from two to five rooms and uh, every round, heroes appear, and heroes go to the player's dungeon, the boss monster's dungeon, from uh, whoever has the most treasure of the type they want. Like, And then you damage the heroes with your rooms. And if you do enough damage to it, you kill the hero and you get his souls. And you have, if you rack up ten points worth of souls, you win the game. Uh, but if he gets to you, he does damage to you, wounds. So you have to get ten point ten souls versus five wounds. And so there, uh, these cards modify what happened. Like uh, there are some there are spell cards you can use to place interrupt. Basically, uh, there are some rooms will modify other rooms. You can upgrade rooms with advanced rooms. Uh, you can hurt your opponent's dungeons with certain cards. Uh, you can force heroes to go to his dungeon. You know, there's a lot of things you can do to fuck around with. Right. Uh, but that's uh, the idea. So kill heroes and get their souls. souls. Yeah. Family entertainment. Family entertainment. Very good. Um, so those are the three games I've gotten recently on Kickstarter, and they all nice. are pretty baller. Uh, Tom, you- I had a I had a movie. Yeah. I'm a as you know I'm a huge fan of 80s uh, horror and sci-fi and action movies. Yeah. There. Are, Nothing's been done like them before or since. And I have a very soft spot for them. I, I mentioned one earlier in another show, Curse 2, which is about yeah. radioactive snakes in the desert. Yeah. The first one actually is The Curse. Yeah. And it's basically a re-envisioning, pretty close actually, of The Color from Out of Space. And um, it is like, you know, like a meteor falls into onto a farm in the middle, you know, the middle of the country. As they do. And it just is some dissolves and leaks into the surrounding soil. And at first, all the crops are like, it looks like a huge harvest, but it's all, you know, bad, bad. And then everything starts getting weak and sick and crazy. Yeah, as they do. But now that I've, I mean, I actually had to go back and when I watched this, I found it for like three bucks yeah. in a bin. Yeah. So, but I'm like, oh, that looks interesting. And I watched it like I had to go back and read the color from out of space, and like wow, they actually—I mean, it's obviously the '80s and not the '20s, but that's actually pretty close to the book. I have to watch it. I don't think I've ever watched it. I mean, I'm aware—I'm aware of it. I have the you know, HP Lovecraft. I can, I can bring it. Uh, there's the Lurker in the Lobby. I, have I mean, book I mean obviously, it's still an Lovecraft '80s. It's an movies. '80s low-budget horror yeah, movie. Yeah, but they keep—I mean, not the, thematically—they keep very close to the story. Yeah. I mean, cool. they, yeah, and uh, well, except uh, 
spoiler, you know, the kids, one of the kids survive. Ooh. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's good. Um, yeah, I, I, I have a, a weak spot for Lovecraft. Um, so cool. Uh, was that on DVD or is that VHS? DVD. DVD. Neat. Yeah, I don't, I like them, but I can't, I can't watch them on VHS anymore. Oh, you've, you've given up on that technology. I have. Is it because they're too scary for you, Tom? I mean, we did watch VH2. Every, every 80s, every 80s horror movie I owned on VHS, I now own on DVD. I made sure I replaced all of them because they're so scary. Because I mean, like in VHS too, VH, old technologies are scary. The third one was fucking awesome. <laughs> I'm not. And by the way, VHS two. If you yeah. ever watch that, and this this isn't a shout out, but I guess it is. But most of them are pretty dumb, except the third one. The third. Holy fuck! Is, that one was good. That one was pretty creepy. That was straight up creepy. I like the second one. Second one was why wasn't it was my obviously it was the second one the second one was my second favorite the zombie with a GoPro uh, camera on his helmet after he goes bike riding he turns it zombie he's just watching zombie cam I liked it I like zombie cam as well I like zombie cam if you know if this was like you know the first and the zombies of the world you could actually have a channel like zombie channel TV that it's like put like putting out zombies with cameras on them that would be pretty baller dude. I know what I know. What's next story? I'm gonna do. <laughs> I, I I look forward to it. Uh, all right, so um, so I guess that's kind of a shout out. So. Yeah, there you go. If you're a hardcore horror fan, seriously, uh, number three. Yeah, um, and finally, so we have an anecdote. We yep, we ran uh, Savage Worlds uh, for the first time after so, you know, like after Ragnarok. Yeah, days after Ragnarok. It's a setting for Savage Worlds from Atom- from over Atomic Over Mind Press, I believe. Yeah. Uh, we might have done this. We as got a, a sh- review copy of it, just yeah. to be fair, of and the setting, not the book. The uh, setting is pretty damn unique. Yes, it's uh, actually Kenneth Height uh, wrote it, uh, as I mentioned, and we've just been on Kenneth Height. Well, he's doing some good work recently. Like Knights Black Agent is him. Uh, <laughs> Nazi Gold and Days After Ragnarok. Days After Ragnarok is the idea is like, what if? Ragnarok kind of like the Midgar serpent happened in 1945 and it, the Americans managed to kill with a nuke, but the serpent fell. The 300 mile wide, yeah. not long, wide serpent crashed back to the earth. Yeah. Crushes most of continental Europe and Africa and a good part of Northern uh, Africa. A good, good part of Northern Africa. You can literally see it on the map. It's hundreds of miles off. So nobody's even been to the top of it yet because it's so fucking big. Uh, and the idea is it's civilization is mostly collapsed. So it's like Conan the Barbarian plus 1940s pulp. Uh, so you can be playing like a guy who's like, I'm a barbarian. Fuck civilization. Give me my and, Tommy and gun and play, my cut. And, and a Rhodes Scholar. Yeah. Serves along, alongside. And a Rhodes Scholar. So we, I, I ran a scenario set in South America where the players basically went <laughs> Nazi punching. Because why not? Yeah. And... I the thing is Caleb in the was getting he made a character who was the opposite of his character in Knights Black Agent very much so uh, we've been playing that and that's a lot of espionage planning so he made it for that he made a Machiavellian planner for this one he made El Matador and what was El Matador like kind of a luchador yeah um who basically felt he was God's gift to everything and and especially women yeah he was the best yeah. And he thoroughly believed it. Yeah. And told everybody. Yeah. He was basically, he had a cape and a mask and a sword. Yeah. And he was a swashbuckler, only a lot more arrogant. Yeah. 
and insane. And it was great because he would pick fights with NPCs while we were try- while you guys were trying to get information out of them. And it kept causing such problems, but they were glorious problems. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I think what was unique about it, it never got to the point where it pissed, was pissing us off. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, I think, a very distinct thing is, you know, when, when a PC starts fucking with an NPC you're trying to work with and it all it does is cause delays or yeah. players can get really mad. But this yeah. one, it delayed us, but in a really amusing, humorous way. And we never got pissed off. I noticed that. Yeah, that's true. And I'll actually say another thing. Everyone was on their A game on this game. Aaron was on his A game. He his character did shit. Yeah, was I mean I'm not saying I'm not saying it happens all the time, but sometimes Aaron's been in the background, yeah. maybe a little afraid, a little you know nervous to jump in. He jumped right into shit in yeah. this one. He he had a great character, did a lot of great stuff, was useful to the group. Yeah, and took a lot of and, and he took initiative that wasn't going off on his own. Yeah. He actually formed a plan and said, okay, who wants to come with me to help me with this? Yeah. And people went with him, and he, and he did shit, and it was great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Caleb was the one who was playing uh, the troublemaker. Yeah, he, he was. was. Like, he'll, I remember after the game, was like, it took a long time for us <laughs> to get to the main plot. And I was like, whose fault was that, yeah, whose fault was that? Who was that? Was like, ah, it was like, some guy. <laughs> yeah. So it's a fun setting. Uh, days after Ragnarok, Savage Worlds. We'll play definitely play it again. Yeah, I think we're going to use the same characters for the for a yeah, yeah. longer scenario. We'll, we'll we'll run some more scenarios set in Days After <clears throat> Savage Worlds. Everyone had an interesting character. Yeah, uh, it's going to take some getting used to it. Uh, it's a good it, system. It's a good system. I really think attributes are underused. Like it seems like <laughs> the only use for attributes for the most part is figuring out how much how many points you spend on skills. Mm-hmm. Like you don't make attribute text uh, tests that often. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, uh, you don't, you roll your attribute dice with your skill dice. No. No? No. You were doing that? Yeah. No, you should not have been doing that. You roll your wild die with your skill die. Mm. And then you choose the higher of the two. You don't roll your attribute plus your well, skill. Well, that is kind of pointless. I just, that, yeah. doing, what I was doing would make more sense. Well, no, because it would be too easy to succeed all the time. If you're rolling two dice, like... I still... No, I, yeah. I still think it would be. Well, it would be easier for the player, yes. But given that you only need to roll a four all the time, then you could just get a D12 in an attribute and then get a D4 in the skill and be like, oh, look, I got a four again. So... No. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's how it works, Tom. No, I, I agree. I think it should be my way, but that's me. Well, that would be... Unbalanced. My way, Ross. <laughs> it's called you can try game you, you, you can try and throw logic at me all you want. Immune. <laughs> all right, you heard it. you heard it here first. Uh, uh, I am immune to logic all right. when it suits my purposes. <laughs> when it's, very good, very good. At least you're at least you're honest about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that kind of yeah, winds it up. So, but El Matador. El Matador. So this has been RPPR episode eighty nine. Scenario no. Uh, I'm Tom Church. This is Ross Payton, and we'll talk to you guys next time.